This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles Premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest. The Stranger, welcome to our show. Cuzzo, Boxy, thanks for having us, boys. Mate, first of all, you're looking really well these days. I love the short haircut. Bald is beautiful. It is, mate. Uh, Boxy's got his uh, holding on there quite well. I think Boxy needs to, you know, just let go and just, yeah. just come out of the light side. Please. Well, well mate, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun having a chat with you about uh, your career, uh, and it's certainly been a, an interesting one at that. Uh, obviously, the highlight with the Seagulls. Mate, uh, first of all, I want to ask you about the nickname Stranger. Obviously, a play on your surname, but who came up with it? I was just born into it. So I've got three older brothers and everyone had the nickname Stranger. Stranger, Strangey, Strangest. Yeah, I was just the youngest one, grew into it and everyone just kept on to it. So. Stuck. Stuck. Yeah. Tell us about the, uh, when I say the strange family, tell us about the Lestrange family. Lestrange family, mate. We grew up out west, out of uh, the Hills District. Um, yeah, Hill, the, Hills Bulls Junior. Yeah. Hills Bulls like Junior. Jamie Bura. The Wolfman. There's been a few out yeah. there, hasn't there? Yeah, there are. Yeah, Jamie Bura, David Williams, John Williams. He played for the Cowboys and the Sharkies. We uh, were best mates. Uh, you got Blake Green, a lot of old boys. Uh, uh, Ronnie Hildage, all those kind of people. They're all Hills Juniors. So, yeah, so we, we grew up in the Hills District and, um, yeah, youngest of four boys and very lucky to uh, have uh, f- three older brothers that I grew up to be as tough as I was and you know as small as I was. But bashing him, bashing him around the backyard. It's the you know good footballers come when they've got uh, great older brothers that beat the absolute crap out of them. Mate, uh, that, backyard footy. That front yard, that fern in the front yard. <laughs> oh, mate, I got scars up and down my back because of that thing. <laughs> it's tougher than any interval match you played. Definitely, definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now, growing up then with your brothers, uh, did A, everyone have different teams, and B, who was your favourite players growing up? Nah, we were all Parramatta, just blue and gold. And then uh, Wade jumped the ship. He jumped ship when uh, the Canberra Milk come on board and Ricky Stewart <laughs> and all those kind of blokes. So he, he was on Canberra. But, you know, as I grew up, Melbourne Storm was my favourite, and then I ended up going Brett Camorley. Brett Camorley was my ultimate player. Ne- ne- never ever thought I'd play first grade, so I just... He was just my, my favourite. What about when you're growing up as a young kid and your parents give you whether it's your birthday or you've saved up the money for a little part-time job, you get your first rugby league jersey that you buy with your favourite player's number on it. What about that special moment? You live in that jersey, don't you? You just wear it everywhere. And if that player happens or that team happens to have a big win, you're walking down the streets, you've got the number on the back, you're feeling pretty good. A bit like boxing in the nightclub days. Definitely. <laughs> it's, m- it's, where that, it's where the tribalism starts, isn't it? You know, like as, as, as a kid, I remember mine was uh, a Newcastle Knights Henny Penny one and I went for the Knights and um, you just I, used, the chicken. I used to wear it. This is true because I, yeah. I was a, uh, a big boned uh, child, that's for sure. You reckon? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he went the box. Who, who, was, who was your first jersey you got a hold of, Strangey? I got two. I, one was, a, it was around the time the Warriors came in. 
So I've got the the blue, the blue, the green, the red, that like old school Warriors, number one on the back. And mum put Heath on it. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, she put Heath on it. And I got her State of Origin one. Fair enough. New South Wales. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Boxy? Who do you have? The Henny Penny one that I had. I can't remember the the, the, the number on the back. I was at a Tigers one, one of the old vintage orange uh, Balmain Tigers yep. ones. So yeah, I quickly ditched them and, and went to uh, went to Newcastle. Been working up that way. So, um, but now only um, maroon and white in the cupboard, <laughs> mate. Still, you still wear your old jersey? Hey, well, I actually found my 2008 grand final jersey in the garage the other day. <laughs> it hasn't got half the signatures on it, so I've got to get my finger out and actually send it around to the blokes and say, hey, can you sign this? Because Matty Ballin's got but he's done up beautifully. It's got all the emblems on it and it's done really, really nicely. But then I said to my wife, Heidi, I was like, well, um, you know, I've got all these jerseys in, in storage at mum and dad's place still. Where can we put them up? She goes, oh, they don't fit the decor in, in, in my house. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay. They paid the bills for, you know, 10, 10 or 12 years. But anyway, that's fine. Happy wife, happy life. Well, mate, you you are the real estate king on the Northern beaches. I'm sure there's a couple of houses you can put them in and uh, away you go. Now, uh, Stranger, let's, uh, <laughs> I love this nickname, Stranger. Mate, the Australian Schoolboys team, 2002-2003. Tell us about that experience and who were some of the, the players who suddenly kicked on in the, into the NRL? Yeah, oh, off the top of my head, yeah, we had a great team that year. Um, was that 2002 we went to England? Yeah. Yeah, so you got um, Michael Wayman, uh, Tommy Leroy Lars, Ashton Sims, uh, Liam Fulton, Jermaine Ale. Yeah. The horse. Mate, it was stacked. Yes, the horse. The horse. Mate, I worked with Lane Fulton for eight years. What a character. Lunatic. I used to love the blue headgear. He, used to, he had blue headgear. <laughs> Looked like a pencil. <laughs> blue I remember when he used to, when he was playing out at West, when we were younger, <laughs> playing out there, we used to give him some grief, but good player. Great Mate, player. good bloke. Uh, him and Bryce Gibbs together were, were the madmen of the <laughs> uh, the Tigers days. But uh, moving on, your first great rugby league career, the Sydney Roosters. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I uh, I never thought I'd leave Parramatta. Like my brothers before me, we were always blue and gold or we weren't going anywhere else. And it got to my Australian schoolboys 2003 and Parramatta didn't offer me another contract. I was sort of left in a lurch a bit. Ricky took a little pun on a, on a young bloke, a little runt, and mm-hmm. um, went over and did okay my first couple of games. And I, I was just really fortunate that Craig Wing and Stuart Webb got injured and suspended. Webby got suspended <laughs> for his usual swinging arm or punch the crap out of someone. <laughs> and uh, I got my start. So I got four games in my first year. And I was at eight, you know, eighteen turning nineteen, and made my debut against the Broncos, and you know, the rest is history. I, I was absolutely shitting myself for my debut, and you know, against the the Broncos was was something special. You're very humble because you haven't actually said what happened in that game. You scored two tries. I'd love to say yes. No, I didn't. I scored one. One. Well, it scored two. Well, well I'm happy with that. Two, two? two is good. Two, okay. is, two is really good. No wonder you're humble then. Yeah. Big Boxing just scored two. Boxy scores two. Yeah. Tell everyone. Hey, mate, I'll be telling everyone I've yeah. tattooed on my forehead. Scoring a try in your debut, that's oh. that's phenomenal. You know, yeah. I know a couple of blokes that have done it, mates, um, but that must have been an awesome feeling, especially especially when you know that your family's in the crowd, Baz and Shaz. Strangey's old man, Barry, the best moustache you've ever seen. Ever. ever. Baz and Shaz. Baz go. and Shaz. Yeah, that, I, yeah I'm, I'm not from the West, am I? I've got <laughs> mum and dad, Baz and Shaz. <laughs> well, Barry and Sharon, yeah, but anyway. It's Barry and Sharon. But, you know, Baz is, he likes the West. Shaz doesn't like Shaz. <laughs> yeah, she likes Sharon. Hello, Sharon. We hope you're listening and she, what a she, wonderful son you've got. She will be. All right, mate. Now, hooker. Obviously, throughout the career, you, you played hooker. But growing up, did you play 5'8 half? Obviously, these days, halves become hookers. Hookers turn into halfbacks. 
Yeah, well, that's what, that was the reason Mum got me the one jersey for the Warriors. Uh, I was sort of like a, a seven, and then uh, when Mini went to mod and you sort of didn't have a fullback, I was sort of dropping back to fullback. I was the quickest on the field, so I was able to get places. So I was a half fullback, and then uh, when I got to high school, I started filling out like my brothers. They just tried to push me into hooker. I'm glad they did. I've absolutely loved playing hooker ever since. I like being in the middle tackling. I don't like being on an edge. I can't read edge defense <laughs> for Jack. So I'm very happy when big boys are running at me. Well, you talk about school. You went to Terra Sancta College. Now, what was often written on the strangers' school report outside of can play rugby league but needs to concentrate? <laughs> That was boxes. He's very excitable. He needs to calm himself <laughs> down. I, I never got into trouble, but I wasn't very smart. So I, like Boxy said, I'm not very good at concentrating. I'm a little bit like Wolfman. Just I'm laid here, back. Yeah. But I'm yeah. sometimes I'm not here. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of the Wolfman, uh, obviously one of your great teammates at the Manly Ringer Seagulls. Uh, mate, let's get to the to the good stuff straight away. The 2008 Grand Final. That whole year was something very, very special. Obviously, you got mate Boxy was part of it as well. But before we go to the grand final in that final series, what was so special about that 2008 season? Obviously, we, we know what happened the year before, but what was it about 2008? That was my first year of really being a part of a team, of an NRL team. Uh, my, my four years previous, I was at the Roosters and, you know, I was in, I was out. Nothing was ever stable. We had a big influx and like departure list of players. So you, you never really got that sort of love out of people or you never got to be able to, you know, become really good mates. I was, I've got a really good bunch of mates from reserve grade in Jersey flag that I still talk to, but you know, that first grade squad that I had at the roosters, you know, you just, you never really click with people. Uh, where I came into Manly, I already knew Hawley. It was like I walked out uh, and Luke Williamson, Luke Williamson and I have been mates for a long time. And it felt like I walked in that first day and no matter who it was, was just like stranger, really nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. Let's go get a coffee. Let's go do this. It's like, it's never happened to me before. So mm. it felt like from day one, you just click with people. It might take a week for some people like Chucky, like that. He just like, <laughs> he won't look in your eye until he can trust you. Mate, I loved it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know I can say now, you know, it was the best year of my life because 2008, we won a grand final and all that kind of stuff. But I could feel it from day one, from the staff. You got Donnie, Donnie's still there. Des is still there. But Rossi. Ros, Roscoe, Roscoe's <laughs> a different character, a different cat. I love it. <laughs> but, and, and like Strangey's saying there is that just, you know, the bond that you have, you mm. know, the, the mateship um, that, you know, you could feel right from, from, from day dot. Cause obviously Strangey had come in that year. Um, uh, Teddy had come in, Josh Perry had come in. So, you know, and we had a, we had a really good team from the previous year, mm. but these guys just came in and they just complimented, you know, what we needed. And, and, um, and it was always, even my, when I very first came here in, um, you know, 2005, it was the exact same, you know, the first bloke who come over and said, g'day to me was Hopper, you know, and I was thinking, well, what's going to go on here? Hopper, a bit of lunatic. You know, I get on really good with Hop. He's a great guy. Made me feel so welcome the first day. And, and it's the same. Something about the Seagulls, um, mm. you know, the culture at the club that, you know, once you sign with us, you're a part of us and you're in. You're talking about the staff. Obviously, Donnie Singe is still heavily involved today with the Seagulls, with Des. But how, how did he help your game in terms of fitness preparation? What was he like? Uh, we, we, we hear so many great stories and yarns about Donnie and, and what, he do, what he brings to a team. No good stories about Donnie. He's, just, <laughs> I, I, he's an absolute nightmare. I still have. I can still hear his voice ringing in my head, I'm counting to fifteen <laughs> for those for those sprints that we'd have to do. You know, Strange, I'll live to you. I, I also love Donnie only because we're the same size. I probably got him actually. He's just <laughs> such a lovely little Kiwi fella, mm. and. He just knows so much about his craft. Really but, caring guy, isn't he? You know, cares about his troops, you know, and, he, and his men, as he calls them. You know, he'd, he'd bend mm. over backwards. He'd do anything to get you right for that for that game. If he had to stay up till five in the morning, icing your leg while you slept, you know, Donnie's the sort of bloke that would do that. 
And obviously with his military involvement, the family, all that kind of stuff as well, he's just so disciplined, isn't he? Yeah, you see him hit a, at the heavy bag. Were you there that day? We, we came upstairs and, and, and no, it was, it, was, it was the front rowers. So it was, you know, the big boppers, the fat blokes. We've come upstairs at, 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 at Narrabeen, that's right. Anyway, we had a rowing session to do. We'd done three sessions that day. We we're all a bit tired. You know, we we're all sort of, you know, just dragging ass a little bit. Anyway, the next thing Donnie comes up and we're like, oh, come on, Donnie, let's, why don't we just, why don't we just, you know, nip off early today? Anyway, he jumped up and little Donnie, he hit this big heavy bag like I've never seen anyone hit a heavy bag we all jump straight up how far do you want us to row donnie do you remember the rumor about him doing ozerobics in his spandex yes yeah <laughs> that is like the singlet spandex and hey huh, hey yeah. guys yep. yeah absolutely yeah i don't think it's a rumor I think no, it's, it's absolute gospel that yeah we're going to yeah. get donnie in one day and we could just really just let him tour so many great yarns and just hand him the microphone away he goes oh, oh mate he's I, got some on me yeah <laughs> i've got a lot of respect for donnie i yeah. remember every time because he used to get a little bit of a bad rap for when alfie alfie was getting done being on the field for so long and donnie used to do it as well and donnie used always but just be on me just after i've come on for my little session uh my 20 minute nip at the end of every half uh at the end of the game donnie would be just on there just going i'm watching you <laughs> sit there and whisper to me because we're obviously we're doing well by then so yeah. well uh we've just heard the half time siren here stranger so we're going to take a uh, short break going what are you going for today boxy what's what's the half time well it was oranges last time i think i'll just go for a water this time just go for a water okay look we're going to take a break here from our great sponsors and we'll return very shortly here on the Golden Eagles podcast. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the Manly Ringer Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormald.com.au. And welcome back to the Golden Eagles podcast. We're catching up with the great stranger. He's no stranger to you, Mark Bryan, is he? Certainly not, certainly not. Um, Beefler Strange? Enjoyed a few beers with him uh, over the last couple of weeks, actually, with uh, a bit of a barbecue and a backyard fire at his place uh, a couple of weeks ago, which, is, which is quite funny. Well, mate, uh, look, that 2008 year, uh, before we go into the finals, was there a particular game for both of you guys that stood out, like whether it's something memorable in terms of tries, performance? I think probably what stands out for me, I don't know whether it's my, the way that my head works, was the, the two games that we lost at the start of the year. Um, you know, we didn't start that well, which is why when the team starts now and if, you know, we lose the first game of the year like we did this year and we have in previous years, like, don't worry, you know, finals uh, and grand finals aren't won in the first round. The uh, the last home game uh, or Beaver's last home game at Brookvale Over was, was really special for Monday us all. Monday Night Football. Yes, yep, yeah, it was. It certainly was. Uh, and then definitely the Storm game that we played. Um, remember when Kyrie nearly got in a fight with Mick Crocker? Mick Crocker had pushed him or something and Kyrie being the gentle giant that he is, he'd had enough. All the rest of the boys, you could see the hair go up on the back of the neck. Although we lost it, um, we knew that we could beat the Storm because we played like shit effectively. And so we knew that we could actually uh, get them in the... If we got, if we got them again, we'd be able to beat them. Fair enough. Now, obviously, uh, the great Matty Ballon. For you, uh, Stranger, it's obviously in your position. You're, you're learning your trade. You're, you're behind this great Matty Ballon who, unfortunately, at the time for your own career, even though you, you're on the bench and you come on and that kind of stuff, he plays a, a record, something like 182 games without injury. Straight. 87. Straight. 87. 187, 187, was it? Unbelievable, isn't it? What did you take from Matty Ballon in terms of preparation? Like, you know, like we know he's a great character, but what was it about Matty Ballon? 
You can't out-prepare Matty. MB, oh, sorry, Batty Mallon, he does everything. For him to get himself on the field and make himself better, he does it. Whether it's footy, whether it's rehab, whether it's his personal training business that he used to have, or his study, Matty out-prepares everyone. And that's mm. just him. MB and I were totally different players. And he was a constant professional and, you know, everything by the book. And I'm a little bit different. I'll like take a couple of chances and do a couple of stupid things that I get my ass kicked by. But, but you know what? The games complemented each other perfectly. Because yeah. as you said, Matty would get out there and, and he was just that constant, you know, delivering the ball. Whereas you'd bring Strangey on and, and the tempo would automatically go up, mm. you know, um, out of dummy half, hitting short balls, you know. You watch the footage back through that year about how many tries this strategy came from jumping out and just throwing something different, that long flat ball to the front rowers coming through, although he didn't throw one to me. So we'll have a chat about that later. But, you know, that... that he was looking for quality, wasn't he? Well, and you need that in top grade as well. You need you need that absolute... Thanks, cuz. I'm going to skip straight past that. But you, you you need that change of tempo. You need that change of pace in there as well. And and certainly that's what that's what Strangey used to, um or, or, you know, brought to the party. All right, now, obviously the finals are very special. You get to the grand final. Uh, in the past, Stranger, we've talked about uh, what it was like, game day, how were your nerves and that kind of stuff. But the interchange bench, yourself, Mark Bryant, Jason King and Beaver. What's he like, this man here, Boxy, on the interchange bench? You're focused, but obviously he's got a great sense of humour. Do you share a laugh? Like, is it helps to break down the nerves? Like, tell us about Boxy, the player, A, the professional and B, the character. Majority of the can. year, I think majority of the year, it was you, me, and Hawley on the bench, which yeah. was even worse. Yep. So you just got three absolute derricks <laughs> next to each other. We were as serious as you could be, and you get all pumped up. As soon as you sit down there, only takes one little thing, something to go. Like I said, I've got a worse concentration in the world. Just something to pop up on the side of the field, and you just like... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or, or you're about to you're about to you know stand up and, and go to go to run on the giving you the card and you do a little meow or something like that <laughs> and you get these two other guys laughing. So I just found that the guys that we had then and and same for the whole playing group. You know, no one was too over serious. Mm. You know, we knew our jobs, we knew we trained hard, we knew just how how structured and and how how good we were. So we could actually you know we could have that relaxing time and then flick the switch and we could just jump straight into it. As every Manly player we've spoken to and every Manly fan, you can't imagine winning a grand final 40 nil. If you win 20 nil, you're happy. But 40 nil against the then defending premiers, your arch rivals, describe that emotion for you. 40 nil. And when you hear it today, like it's like winning a lotto, isn't it? You yeah. hear someone go 40 nil, just think, yeah, good's that? People still say, like, did you know you had it in the bag? Like, by the time I come on, you know, you had it won. We're playing against Melbourne, biggest game of the year, 80,000 people there. When I went on, I still thought, we can get run down. I think I went on at about 16 nil or something like that. And I was like, oh, no, no. I really don't want to go on now because 25 to go, 16 nil. If they come back and beat us now, it's all my fault. Everything just started happening and just every pass stuck. Every run that we took, we made 10 metres and we just kept going down short sides. And, and just when Beaver, when Beaver come back on and scored down that left, oh, shut the gates. It's just, yeah, yeah just an <laughs> absolutely amazing, amazing day. And like, you don't realize how good it was until, you know, someone put together this snippet of like about 15 minutes, this thing on Facebook about two or three years ago. And it showed our, our two semis into our grand final. And you just sit there and just go, you, you don't realize how dominant, like, you're not talking us up, but how dominant we were in those three games. We did that probably about six weeks leading up to that as well. It's all devs just, you know, keeping everything under the radar. We're not that good. 
just just don't worry just keep playing our game siege mentality you know mm-hmm. everything you know we're, we're, we're walking into a trap but yeah those i mean those semis the one at, uh, against saints at brookvale you know we, we were able to when you we won that we got a weekend off which was pretty big but how many points we could, or no points or six points scored yeah, against us it was very six like, points or whatever it was scored yeah, against us in an entire series was pretty good and that's you know a testament to the playing group but testing to the coaching staff as well i, I have to apologize to uh, brett short i think i may have taken a try off his tally that night at dragons we did scissor paper rock ah <laughs> yes yes we uh touched the ball uh exactly the same time and he did win scissor paper rock but i think the uh i got the tally they credit it to you yes, yes. i think he could spare one i mean snake yeah. scored it he scored a million so. well, 280 something didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> at brookie well mate obviously boxy's told us many times about the uh great unbelievable scenes at Manly Lee's Club from the bus arriving, being carried in, the fans going berserk. Obviously, it's a great weekend. The celebrations continue and, and you're enjoying yourself with your teammates and the fans. But what's so special about that? It's hard describing it. Like, you just, you treat it like stars, aren't you, virtually? Like, you're football heroes to these people. You've won 40 nil. The town just, everyone was there. We, we pulled up <laughs> and the first thing I looked at, like there's just people everywhere, just a sea of people. You look up on the car park, there's people hanging off the car park. And you don't even think, wow, that's amazing. You sit there and go, oh, they could have hurt themselves. They, they could fall <laughs> off that. Even though we've had about, you know, 10 beers by then. But it was just an amazing feeling that, that we were able to touch so many people and so many people there until... When we left, six thirty in the morning, so many people and still out in the car park. People walking around. Well done, stranger. Well done, the boys, and just and then the the week after, you know, we were we were staying down in Manly, and the amount of people walking past and waving to us and not causing us any trouble or anything like that. They yep. knew, yeah. you know, this was our our, our time, our, our little time, and yep. you know they they weren't causing any trouble and just give us a wave and. All that kind of stuff, which was really good and gave us the respect. So, no, it was amazing. It was great to look back. Great, a lot of great memories yeah. that week. Better as you get older too and you look back and you reflect. You get a few of the boys together and you talk, well, what about this time here? Yeah. And, you know, what about that time there? And, um, you know, like the, the premiership tattoo where Stranger was supposed to go after me and the tattoo gun broke. And um, <laughs> and he was absolutely destroyed. He was filthy. But luckily, because uh, I had to go and get mine fixed up probably a week or so later, Steve Bell still got the original um, Maroon Sparrow and with the broken it. beak and loves it. Um, <laughs> Um, but um, but yeah, some some good times in there. All right, now speaking of good times, stranger. After uh, your career at Manly, you head to the English Super League, where you end up playing ninety nine games for a magnificent club, the Bradford Bulls. Tell us about the experience of the English Super League and the Bradford Bulls. Absolutely loved it. I say two thousand eight. Yeah, my pinnacle. But my time at Bradford in the Super League. My four years is my highlight of my career. Absolutely loved it. The people in Bradford, people in the Super League, just the fans are different there. They sing songs about every player with their names in it, and you become a part of the family. You go there, especially with a lot of the boys. Uh, you invite them for dinners and, you know, your old roast dinners and all that kind of stuff. But the family atmosphere w- within the fans, and they take you in. You're there on Boxing Day when usually everyone's on holidays with their families. You go and play a trial, and you got six or seven thousand people there in the freezing cold. Yeah, in the freezing yeah. cold. Obviously, you have a few uh, familiar faces. There's one obviously you're hearing your good mate. Uh, he's over there in the English Super League as well, and and Beaver's over there. Four versus one. So the game, one of the games are playing. So they had Stranger, Glenn Hall, Matt Orford, and Beaver playing for Bradford, and they had Lonely Old Boxhead playing for the Crusaders. But we beat them that day, so that was good. Do you want to tell about the story that you knocked me out on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I think it was the um, the Magic Weekend, and we we're in. In Scotland, weren't we? Because we were staying together after it in, a, in a house together. So obviously our wives are all great friends and a couple of kids we had running around then between us all and playing Bradford up there at Murrayfield. And uh, yeah, well, you know, strangely, 
he had an aggressive look in his eye. He wanted to bash me. I could just tell. Uh, anyway, I'd put, drop my shoulder down, strangely as he does, tried to get underneath me and got his head in the wrong position and ended up, you know, a bit dazed and slightly knocked out. So he went off. We kept playing the game, obviously, and then went off and came back on. And uh, we were both on the side. I looked across and I could see him sort of looking at me filthy. <laughs> I was like, surely he can't be up me because, you know, he was trying to belt me. And I just, you know, anyway, so we got back out there. Next thing, whack. And I was on the ground. I had this head high tackle. I was thinking, who is that? And looked up and it was strangey. <laughs> Turns out Glenn Hall had told him on the side, and this is Hawley being a, being a pain in the ass and a terror that he was, had told strangey that after I'd knocked him out, that I stood over the top of him beating my chest. Justin carrying on, strangely being competitive and an angry, angry, <laughs> angry little bastard at heart. He wanted to get me. Yeah. And, and, he, and he said to me after the game, he said, what did you do that for? I said, mate, I would never do that to you. And he go, and Hawley, giggling. You can just see, still see his face giggling and walking off. So, Mate, I was off you for the weekend. The whole weekend I was off you. I know. Oh, I, mate, I had CT, CTE. I'm sitting there. I've got problems with my head. And, and Hawley's just saying, mate, he meant that. He was jumping. <laughs> the pot. Hey, I also got Hawley that day too. He got a bad pass off a tap and I came flying out along oh. and away. I probably gave him that bad pass. Yeah, you did. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, uh, after the uh, wonderful uh, experience in Bradford, which, like I said, ended up with 99 games, uh, you returned to the NRL, Sydney Roosters for a year, then the uh, St. George Illawarra Dragons, end of 2015. Uh, you finished there, but uh, your career's not over because obviously you, you returned to the Hills Bull- District Bulls. But representative wise, the Rugby League World Cup in 2008, France. Somewhere there in my family tree, I'm uh, I'm able to uh, to claim that, and I got it added to the squad, and I was all set to play, and uh, the NRL knocked it on the head and said uh, myself, I think it was Dave Shillington as well, where we had to get ruled out because it wasn't close enough. Oh, really? So they changed it, yeah, changed the rules. There's a, there a couple of different other people as well, but I just remembered Shillo and I weren't, weren't able to qualify. Well, hearing your stories and knowing your character, I don't think you would have settled in well with the French squad uh, oui, in the Rugby oui, League oui. World Cup. Je m'appelle Fils de France. Yeah. What are you talking about? Because, mate, I was involved with the Scotland Rugby League team, the Bravehearts. I looked oh. after them as their mini Ro- man. Robbo. Oh, mate, I, I had Robbo, and all they wanted to see was the uh, the famous Wang Ding Wang <laughs> dance. dance. We actually played France in the first game down in Canberra Stadium. We got robbed of a controversial call by referee Gerard Sutton. because Viva was, la France. Robbo was still hungover from yeah, the Grand but, Final uh, Our only ever win was against Fiji up at Gosses in Coast Stadium and they had Jared Hayne and mate when we won like it was the first time Scotland ever won a rugby league match at a World Cup level mate we did a lap of honour in front of about 20 people but it was unbelievable happy days like it was it was a highlight of one of my careers <laughs> anyway before we go uh, two games for the Exiles yeah, that's a, uh, a lovely little format they've got over there. Uh, they, they did have uh, the Exiles. It was a combination of international players that were in the Super League, usually Australia and uh, New Zealand players. Yeah, I was very fortunate enough to play in uh, two of those. I got one win, one loss. But it's just uh, all of these different things that they try and do over there to get competitive to play Australia. So during the year, you can't obviously uh, fly the Aussies out and the French probably aren't. Uh, there yet. I think they've got something going on this year. I think Wales might be playing England, but I don't know if it's England or Great Britain or whatever they're doing, but mate, they're figuring out ways to try and come over and and give us a touch up at the end of the year. So mate, they're they're doing all the right things over there. Now, before we let you go, what is Heathless Strange doing these days, life after rugby league, apart from being mates for Boxy, but uh, work-wise, what's the situation? Currently a carpal layer on the Northern Beaches, Pacific Flooring Co. Been doing that for about three years now. So, yeah, no, really enjoying it. It's uh, it's good hard work. He's a business owner. Uh, he owns his own carpet laying company for commercial premises uh, and does the houses as well. But commercial he, he sells himself short all the time. So I just got to just jump in there. But So if you need a 
good carpet laid, you, you ring the stranger. Absolutely. Yeah. You, Don't be a stranger, call you. <laughs> if you get laid, give me a ring. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a joke there somewhere, isn't there? But uh, look, mate, so congratulations on your career. We've we've obviously gone through a, a little part of it, but uh, the, the great memories of you playing with uh, the Seagulls, with Mark Bryant, uh, some of those great characters that you've played with uh, over the years, a wonderful 2008 team. How does it feel these days when someone still comes up to you, whether it's you know shopping center, your own business, and they say 40 nil, or you see the sign on the hill or you're driving along and there's a car number plate that says 40 nil gobsmacked yeah. oh, I'm speechless yeah I love it yeah yeah 40 nil thank you that's, yeah. that's... I think that's Boxy's car by the way all the time you see <laughs> one of those kings of real estates on the northern beaches a uh, uh, big black Range Rover <laughs> drive around gold rims yeah alright who for look mate um, great to catch up with you we know you're heavily involved with uh, the Golden Eagles how good of a day is that the Golden Eagles days that Boxy puts on down there oh, I, have a, I can't remember any of them just because uh, <laughs> by the end of it but uh, no, no I absolutely love it I, I've actually been really uh, really tardy I've only been to um, two of them but um, no it's a great day Boxy puts his heart and soul into it so it's it's a uh, really important cause to get all the boys back together because you know once footy finishes it's, uh, it's important to, to know that there's still boys there around that and people that uh, want to chat about the old times well there we go there's the great Heathless Strange 43 games Boxy for the Sea Eagles of course 2008-2009 a premiership winner of you in 2008 Heathless Strange thanks for joining us today on the Golden Eagles podcast we'll see you soon Kazo Boxy thanks for having us Pleasure. This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media Partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seaeagles.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. 